0: Hey, Fungo Banter fans, welcome back for another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter podcast. I am Eric Sorensen in Big Country Studios in Ellenburg, Washington. Going to be joined here in a second by Jason and Kelly. Today's guest, Anthony Claggett, pitching coach at Washington State University. A great insight on diving into pitching staff, core values of a pitching staff, and just getting guys better, getting your pitching stuff better every single day and throughout the year. Please get on iTunes apple podcast rate and review us let's get some the more you rate and review the more it gets out more people see it you can listen to us on spotify google podcast check us out on facebook at pacific northwest fungo banter check us out on twitter at fungo banter pnw without further ado let's bring on coach and another great interview All right, Fungo Banter fans, we're here for another guest this week with the Fungo Banter. Thank you for joining us. Anthony Claggett, the pitching coach at Washington State University. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Um, You know, I know you had Coach Green on earlier and uh, got a chance to listen to that, but uh, Washington State, myself, we really appreciate you having me. Well,
0: thank you very much. And and the very first hard-hitting question we ask, what's your favorite Fungo?
1: Well, it's gotta be Easton. Um, we, we have, uh, our, uh, uniforms and all that are Nike, but we do use Easton bats. We have a contract with them. So, um, I actually enjoy hitting the fungo. So it's gotta be Easton though.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so talk us through your, your, uh, your career playing baseball. And then, you know, when you got done playing professionally, what got you into coaching baseball and what led to where you are now at Washington state?
1: Yeah. Um, um, just give a little background grew up in Southern California. Um, my mother, Margaret, and my father Herb are still in Southern California. I grew up in the Palm Springs area, went to high school there and then went to college at UC Riverside. Um, I do want to mention that I am recently married. My, my wife, Ashley, she's here with me and we're enjoying you know the quarantine time and all that mm-hmm. together. So that's enjoyable. Um, but yeah, went to UC Riverside and actually, um, before that, it was at Palm Street's High School, and my my father was actually the high school coach, and and I was a middle infielder. I grew up playing playing middle infield as a position player, switch hitter, and then I get to UCR as a middle infielder, and um, Coach uh, Doug Smith and Jack Smithern were the coaches there, and I had a pretty good arm, pretty good sense for defense, but the hitting part, I'm sorry, Coach Smith, it just never caught on. Um, you know, it's, it, it's something that for whatever reason, I hand coordination, I don't know, uh, but it just didn't pan out. So actually my junior year, uh, Andrew Checkett, who's at UC Son Barbara, was my pitching coach. And he basically just said, Claggett, um, you know, if you want any opportunity of playing the next level, it's probably not going to be as a position player. Um, you might want to check the mound out. So he got me on the bump. And um, like I said, I had a pretty decent arm, got an opportunity and, and just learned as fast as I could from him and got an opportunity to get drafted uh, by the Tigers in the 11th round that year as a junior, and I decided to go play pro ball. So um, pretty quick transition into pitching, Um, learned really rapidly, but I think all the teachings that I had in growing up with my father being a coach, um, learning the game the right way, and kind of taking a mindset as a coach helped me um, develop faster as a player. So um, moved up the ranks, in the minor leagues, basically at every step of the way, um, you know, I, I never really moved up and never really moved back um, within the year. It was always I was at the same place um, for the whole entire year, and which I think was really good for me. It, it was an opportunity to really get, which you don't see much, I don't think, in the minors. Guys bounce around all the time now. Um, but I was able to really get a good camaraderie with some with the, the teammates, um, was on a couple championship teams. Develop good friendships, develop good relationships, and and really that quote-unquote grind really got the feeling of it. So um, that helped me move up the ladder a little bit. And then in uh, 2009, I got an opportunity in big league camp with the Yankees. Uh, I'll take you before that. When I was drafted by the Tigers, I spent one season with them, and then I was trading the offseason in the Gary Sheffield trade to the Yankees. Um, But in 2009, I went to big league camp. What a great opportunity to just wanted to be at the big league spring training, um, with guys like Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera and Pettit and Osada and to and you know, a all of them. Um, and so it was, you know, it was a little bit of a star but also, you know, I worked my tail off to get there. So again, I think my mindset kind of went back to the form of what my dad instilled in me of always learning and always, um, listening. And so my development, Increased at a pretty good level. And at that time, I uh, had a really good spring training. So um, I was sent back to AAA to start the season. But then early in that year in 2009, got a chance to, to get a chance to play in the big leagues with the Yankees. Um, had two stints up there, bounced around all year. And then at the end of the year, I was designated and, and traded to the Pirates. So spent a little time in the big leagues with them. Um, but after that, kind of bounced around a little bit uh, up and down, AAA. Um, For a couple of years, and then I got a chance to play independent ball and and actually independent ball was a a great opportunity for me. Um, You know, I think a lot of people have uh, their objectives about it and, you know, what they think of it. But what a great time to really dig deep internally and find out a lot about yourself and to really coach yourself. So um, I am I do promote, you know, get guys to go to independent ball. if That's what works best out for them. Um, I think it's a great opportunity to learn and, and really experiment a little bit about yourself as well. So um, we did that for a few years. And then um, it really kind of led to my first uh, coaching opportunity, which was with the New Jersey Jackals in the Can-Am League. And, um, you know, everything you hear about independent ball, is, as some guys are player coaches, um, I was one of them. <laughs> it was a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it was actually it was it was a great experience. Um, You know, when you're in the chair for four days as a pitching coach and then that fifth day you're on the bump competing. Um, But that was obviously knowing that it was the end of my career um, and transitioning into coaching. So the discussions I had with the pitching staff and the way I talked and presented things started transition into more of that coaching voice. Um, And so that transition into a full year of being the pitching coach at the independent ball level. And then also during the summer, going into um, coaching at Riverside City College and working with uh, Rudy Arguelles and, and Dennis um, and uh, Dennis Rogers. So um, really great opportunity to do that. And that's kind of what got me into coaching at the college level. Um, spent a year there and really thankful for Dennis and Rudy bringing me in. And then also, um, you know, just I kind of grew up in that area, so I was really, really excited to know, be able to kind of start my college career there as a coach. Um, I, I, then got an opportunity to go to San Jose state and coach there for a year. Um, and then after that is when I got a call from Brian green and he was the head coach at New Mexico state at the time. And we had a great conversation, a uh, great interview, if you will. And he, uh, offered me the position to take over the pitching staff there. Um, and so what a great opportunity to do that. Me and Brian have, have built a relationship and, and obviously him taking me with him to Washington state and where we are at now um, couldn't be more thankful to him and the opportunity he's given me and, and my family. Um, but uh, I do want to say that coach green is, is a good friend of mine and the way we work together, I think we're both in a position now where um, we couldn't be more excited for the future. So that pretty much wraps up my, uh, my career to this point.
0: That's awesome. I got one question off that. You know, when when people have said uh, when they've gotten done playing uh, or that after you go play and then after you go coach for a couple years, that's like, man, if I could go back and play, I'd be such a better player. You got to live that. I mean, did you have that correlation while you were doing that coaching and pitching in the independent league?
1: I I did. I really did. I, I couldn't tell you how much my my game as a pitcher changed just within the span of maybe a year and a half, um, really invested into the mental side, um, the pitch design side, you know, as, as you get older, obviously the stuff decreases the velocity. And and so, you know, you have to find, you know, you see a guys all the time, they, they, they reamp their, their repertoire and, and, they get better as they get older. I mean, it's an incredible thing. And so I think your mind starts to mature in in a lot of forms and you take on uh, different sides of the pitching development because you don't have the elite stuff anymore, but you're able to be successful in those forms. And I think a lot of that stuff that I was able to do and actually be physical with it now translates into what I can teach with our players.
2: That's good. You know, you talk about the relationship coach between you and Green, and I think for myself with my pitching coach there at prep, you know, we have a really tight relationship, and I think without that tightness of a relationship, our success on the field probably wouldn't measure up. You know, and it's just like it—it's it, good that it, it, you need. There's something special about the pitching coach and head coach relationships for the success on the field, and when you've got those tight relationships, it really. Correlates onto the field, so I want to ask you, Coach. What has basically, as, as a past player and your past experience as a coach, what what are the keys of what's molded you into the coach pitching coach you are today?
1: Yeah, you know, go along with a lot of those things that you know the relationship I have with with Brian, and um, he allows me a lot of freedom, you know, to mm-hmm. to develop the the pitchers, and I use a lot of background that I have from playing days. With also a lot of the knowledge that I was able to gain during pro ball, and a lot of great minds, obviously all the way up the ladder, um, but it's trial and error, you know. It's stuff that I felt like is really important when I was pitching, and translating that into guys that I felt like not only helped me but also helped a lot of guys that I saw around, um, you know. Because, and I don't want to get off topic, but it's so important, I think, to teach to the individual. And I have to understand that we have a lot of pitchers that aren't like I was when I pitched They have different stuff, different makeup, all, all of it. Um, but when you get an opportunity to kind of develop with trial and error, and I get that freedom with, with coach green, um, you start to see what certain things work with each particular type of guy. Um, and it's anything from a physical standpoint to a mental standpoint, You know, how you can actually talk to that person, that player, um, and all the things that go into it, you know, as you get more experience and as I get more experience as a a coach, um, you know, you start to see how you can attack certain individuals and help with their development and help create a spike sooner or later. So um, I have a lot of notes through trial and error, um, but, you know, you also trust your skill and you trust your gut and you just, you know, making sure that the individuals first and you attack that first and you do that with, you know, all your experiences.
3: Coach, we're talking a little bit about technology for you um, at, at Washington state, the stuff that you guys maybe pay attention to maybe you specifically things that have worked in the past, whether it be a, you know, a bats or or some type of advanced system, or maybe you're kind of your grassroots cell phone. What have you been kind of found to be most successful maybe in the recruiting process and to the player development process, breaking down maybe initial video, maybe in season, what kind of things do you look at? What do you find most productive in in your development of your guys?
1: Yeah, technology, it's a a different world now, isn't it? Um, You know, and, and we are lucky enough to have some resources that allow us to get some of those you know, high technology stuff. Um, We do use Rapsodo. I think that's the one big piece that we utilize for development. Um, I probably find myself, you know, and that's kind of how I utilize my time during everything going on right now is how to really dive into more of that technology Mm -hmm. and how I'm going to utilize it during the fall specifically. I kind of treat fall like it's spring training. If you want to put that match up towards like, you know, professional baseball. But I think it's a great, it's a great source. Um, we actually have dedicated bullpens just using Rapsodo. I mean, it's, it's ex- completely experimental. We'll mess around with grips with the four seam or two seam. Um, we'll play around with the breaking ball and just see if we can get some data to where, you know, we find something that makes you unique as an individual. Um, so I really invested in and we invest time into utilizing Rapsodo in that form. Um, we're lucky enough to go be able to get TrackMan this fall. Um, that's going to be implemented into our field. So um, I'm really excited about that. And, you know, that's goes a lot more along the lines of, you know, how the spin rate and the movement and stuff like that and the access. So I'm, I'm really intrigued on how this, basically how the t- technology is is going with the game, you know, and I really think if you don't utilize it, uh, you can get left behind. And I'm a guy and I'll admit it, that I was a little bit in a sense, hard headed and saying that I, I'm a little, I'm young, but I'm an old school kind of guy. You know, I, I want the ball in my hand. I, I want to have guys to learn long toss programs and, and the metal side and the technology is a little bit more secondary, but there's, there's a world where they're both well mean. And I think um, we have to be able to utilize our time properly to insert technology to help with the development. So um, that is the plan. That's what we've kind of started to do anyways. Um, but that is a, a bigger plan moving forward. Um, and then also things like we had, we do have bats from a video system. Um, I'm a little di- different, I think, with video. Um, I kind of pinpoint the guys who I feel and who and what they feel is are guys that learn more from video. Um, if I feel like they're a little bit more hands-on feel guys, I might trend a little bit away from the video stuff. Um, and then also within the video, I kind of trend more towards utilizing it when things are going well. I mean, I, I think that a lot of guys will go straight to it after a bad outing, right? Because Everyone does that. Um, and sometimes you do, I'm not going to say you don't, but When things are going well, I think it's the best time to look at video because you're looking at success and you're wanting to, in your mind, be able to repeat that as much as possible. So you actually break down what the kid is doing well mechanically, and then hopefully he can go out and and get a sense of feel to be able to repeat it as much as he can. Um, So we utilize video in that form. Um, I'm always, I I give video to guys as much as I can, Um, but from a breakdown standpoint, you know, one-on-one sessions. Um, it's typically a little bit more individualized on the way we use it. And then, um, you know, I think synergy as well is is really important for development. And that's more of a scouting report type of thing. But um, that's maybe I use it a little bit more for some older guys who can grasp the knowledge of that a little bit better. Um, you know, going to a weekend series. It, we had a freshman starter this year, and if I broke down anything from a scouting report, I mean, he's. He's going in circles, so you got to be careful with that. But a guy who's older and is maybe a step away from professional baseball, I feel like that knowledge is really important to get across and making sure he starts to understand of what it looks like and certain hitters swings, takes, rhythm, you know, where he can locate the ball for outs. You know, matching up his stuff against that hitter's weaknesses, all the stuff that goes into that, and synergy is a good tool for that, um, and we utilize that. I mean quite a bit. Um, so you know, technology from development to utilizing it in game, it's there. It's important to use. I believe in it. Um, and I, again, i'm I'm a little more old school, I think, but i'm I'm definitely on board with how we're able to use it and how we need to use it. and it's going to be used at the next level too. and that's another development thing that we make sure we do at Washington State is that I actually teach guys how to read all the numbers with Rapsodo and all that, because when they get to pro ball and a pitching coach sits them down, I want them to understand what the coach is talking about. I mean, that's because if it doesn't, then it's going to hurt his development. And, you know, who knows if he climbs up the ladder faster. But if he can get that information from us, it's only going to help him at the next level.
0: One one thing I want to follow up question on that is that, You know, for me, I'm kind of with you. I guess I have two reasons why I haven't gotten too much technology in our budget. One thing, because we're a very small school. Two, because I don't know, okay, what information am I going to use from this? You know, they can give us all the information in the world, but if you don't know how to read it and use it, it's useless. So when you got into learning more about it, and what are some of the things that you, the measurements or the measurables that you're using that you think have been the most efficient for your staff?
1: Yeah, I think like the, the biggest things would be to find out what guys do different, abnormal. You know, if you have a, a pitcher who throws a two-seam fastball at the bottom of the zone with some sinking action, his spin rate might be really, really low. And, and if it is, and if it's off the average, and we'll typically use Major League Baseball, and it obviously doesn't scale right, but they have the most data. So we're able to use use their averages. But if you can find something within what Particular type of pitch that a player is is different. And it could be like, it could be spin rate, it could be release points, it could be horizontal movements, just something where it'll stand out. You'll see it. And it's like, okay, that is what that particular player does special. And that is what we want to feed off of. So, you know, let's say it is that sinker and it's, you know, it's got, you could see it from the eye, good sinking action but then you match it up with the data and it's got real low spin rate, which is off the average, which is off the norm. Then it might be a little bit more pitch design, what you want to match up with that. So now you, now you're developing the slider off of it. Um, and now you got kind of, you know, that action going. So you're kind of matching up with what that player does specifically really well. And now you're trying to develop around that and put the pieces together. So now he gets a little bit more of a broad repertoire. Um, You know, it's not I don't think it's a perfect system, but, you know, the design of matching it up with the data, like a forcing fastball at the top of zone will match up probably with the curveball off of that. Um, And then I also think that instead of trying to create a slider off of that curveball, now you go more cutter ish and you start to, you know, widen the gap of what is different with the pitches and your repertoire. So, um, you know, there's you can get really deep into it. Uh, really simplistic I mean it it is there's so much information that you can you can really get overboard I think especially if you're really teaching it to the player Um, but if you're kind of teaching along as you're developing with the player you start to get that player on board to understand that hey you do this differently and you're special at that now let's just match something up with it and now you start to broaden your repertoire and now what's going to create is just probably more opportunities for you.
3: Coach, how do you match that? Um, so you say you get into the gutter, you're pitch designing, you're working it out to the Rapsodo. What are you using to maybe validate that with them apart from numbers? Are you matching it up with maybe false scrimmage video? I know you didn't have a ton of spring this year, but you probably had an opportunity to use this in the past. How do you find that process of, Maybe that validation with them to say, see, look at this; it was successful. Um, just kind of matching those things up for the player to see.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's the tough part, right? I mean, you're you're trying to already evaluate, uh, validate it with the player just by showing him on the screen during the bullpen. But now you got to go and say, okay, well, if you go do that, it's going to equate to outs. Um, hopefully, it does. Um, <laughs> but if but if it doesn't, you know, then. Yeah, that's a that's a real conversation to have. Um, You know, I I think that's just where the eyes come into play and and you just trust them. I really do. I mean, if, if you got a pitch that, you know, and obviously pitching coaches were on the side and you could see the downward angle and some movement and stuff like that. And if it just if it looks right and if you've seen enough baseball and it equates to maybe a swing and miss or weak contact or something like that, then I think you just trust it. You know, you can go back to the data and match it up and say, okay, that particular pitch guy hits. Okay. Well, was it maybe just up in the zone or was it actually just, you know, an average pitch from a data standpoint? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that, um, you know, but I'll tell you what, when we do have those bullpens, to where it's it's just all about data. Um, What's crazy about it is the execution of location and quality of pitch goes through the roof. And the reason is because the kid's not thinking, you know, mechanics and and all this and the head gets in the way and all that. Um, He's literally saying, okay, I just threw a four-seam fastball at the top of the zone. Okay, I got a little bit on the side. Now I want to stay really behind it so I can get more carry on it. That's all he's thinking about it. And he's throwing it right through the catcher's mask. And then he looks and sees and he can validate it. Um, A lot of times that's good enough. And obviously, like you said, like, you know, how does it translate? Well, I think there's enough data out there to where the things that are off the average of that particular type of pitch, it usually trends into, um, you know, a quality, quality outcome within game. It's, there's enough data out there that kind of proves that.
2: What's up, Banner fans? This is Tanner Swanson from the New York Yankees. You were listening to the PNW Fungo Banter
0: Podcast. Go Yanks. All right, fans, we're jumping into our seventh inning stretch here. And, Coach, you know, maybe it was when you came to Washington State and you had a whole new pitching staff or when you have a fresh group of freshmen coming in, what are some of the core values that you really try to develop and and get into your pitchers of your program?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. Um, great topic. And I think there's so many different philosophies out there. Um, none being wrong or right. It's just, I think it's what you believe in. Uh, that's the most important thing. And not only me as a pitching coach, but what, you know, the head coach and the program and what kind of vision you're having toward that, you know, uh, coach green and I work, hand in hand very well and we come up with what is the importance of that and what we want to see especially on the pitching side. So um I think one of the most important things and actually it is the most important thing for me is, is teaching to the individual. It's I know a lot of people say that and um and good and I'm glad they say that, but it's also about doing it and improving it. So there's so many concepts out there that we structurally teach in different forms whether you're talking to an incoming freshman um, who you feel is maybe not have quite matured yet. And he needs a lot of, you know, certain things specifically probably on the mental side. Um, so you got a probably a group of those. Maybe you got a group of some incoming guys, some JUCO guys that you feel maybe need a little bit more attack of the body or something specific in that area. And then you got returners and and so you start to form maybe four or five different groups. Um, and you're teaching the same concepts, but you're teaching it in a different form. I really believe that it's important to invest time into that. Um, and if you do it that right way, it's it's a lot of work, but it's also the way I've been able to see um, development happen faster for our pitchers. So three things that um, you know the cougar pitchers we attack is the mental mental, uh, mental, physical, and emotional. Uh, those three concepts, I think are really important to attack on the individual side. Ah, uh, the mental side would be we do a lot of things, especially during the fall, and we we I and we as a coaching staff, really enjoy talking the game. I mean we're we're coaches, we're we're legitimate baseball fans. And so when you can start to get invested on the mental side of things that formulate in the game, um, you got to do it the right way, especially with young guys. But if you can attack that, they start to get, their head wrapped around, invested in situational stuff. Um, you know their thought process. We t- We call it the twenty-second thought process because that's how much time you get in between pitches. If you can really control that part, the one pitch at a time, all that stuff, um, that is a really important part towards their development. Um, you know, and things like visualization and breathing techniques. We really invested into that. That is a huge, and that's for our whole program. Um, if you're able to really Get invested into that to teach it um, and teach it in all forms so you give them as many examples as possible because the individual, one guy might like this concept, one guy might like this, and then you can run with it. Um, Those are important things that help them be able to slow the game down. We always want our guys to slow the game down, right? But I think it's important to really get invested to teach the individual how to slow the game down within his own form. Um, It's not my own form. I, I can give him examples. I can, I can help him. I can teach them, but he has to individually figure out what works best for him. Um, so, you know, you, you break down a bunch of different concepts within the mental aspect and give them as many examples as possible and they start to figure out what works best for them. Um, other things on the physical side would be, you know, the mechanical stuff. So that's another thing that's probably more invested into the fall. Um, I tend to, if a new guy comes in, I'm pretty much hands off in the beginning. I want to see you go out and whatever your natural form of mechanic is, I want to be able to see it, to video it, to dive into it. And then if there's, you know, some adjustments that we need to make, then there's a conversation that needs to be had. But um, I take time on mechanics. Um, I'm not particularly huge on it. uh, And here's three things I'll, I'll do mechanically and the reason I'll ever change a guy's mechanic. One is he can't throw a strike. Probably pretty smart to make an adjustment. Um, two is, is that, um, he, I broke down video and he puts himself in a position to where he might hurt himself, whether it's an elbow or shoulder. Let's take a look at that. So if we need to make adjustments in EB. We will. And three is he is at a point in his career, you know, maybe it's his junior year or something like that to where he's pitched well but the opportunity at the next level might be minimizing really fast. Let's maybe make an adjustment to see if you have a chance at pro ball. So those are the three things, you know, from a mechanical standpoint that we'll really have a a real big discussion on. Um, And then also from the physical side would be three quality pitches, four strikes um, and execution. I should say, Um, we like to develop pitches. We like to develop arsenal. Um, Those things are really important because you know, you might be a back end bullpen guy where you only have, you know, you only utilize two pitches. But if you're developing a third and you got another third one to go into battle with, um, your chances of succeeding, you know, start to increase. So, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that with the, the three pitch minimum, um, pitch development, and all that. But from a uh, philosophy standpoint and our keys, it's really just breaking down the mental, physical, and emotional, and attacking the individual. Um, in those three aspects.
0: You know, the mental side of things, I think the thing talking about slowing things down, I always show my guys the clip of Billy Chapel from For Love of the Game. <laughs> the first question right. is, have you seen it? And they all go, no. I'm like, come on. But I mean, and then it's <laughs> we always just how we try to give them so many different ways to get to that and whatever it takes to get to your clear of the mechanism. And that's got to be so key for a pitcher, especially when stuff's not going well.
1: No doubt about it. And first of all, probably one of the greatest, I, greatest baseball movie. I, I, probably, it's right? sure. it's yeah, fair. I think yeah. so. I think <laughs> yeah. so. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, But it, and it's good because it does baseball justice. That's the thing. Right. You know, it actually is good on the baseball side, but you know, that, that type of stuff. And, and I have showed that to our players and I actually I did a zoom call a couple weeks ago when we were talking heads up baseball and we were going over the book and all that. And, that part kind of came in and the first thing I opened up with the zoom is that clear the mechanism and that part of the movie. Um, but I just think that it, if you really are invested into teaching it, they'll get it. They'll, they'll find individually how it works for them. You know, there's so many ways, right? Everyone thinks differently and everyone responds differently. Um, but they'll get it. I, I just think there's so many things on the mental side and how important we talk about how important it is. Um, And then we kind of move away from it to sneak in the mechanical stuff or the physical stuff. And, you know, to me, it's got to be an even ground Um, because if you're going to talk about it and you're going to you're going to say how important it is, you really have to invest time into it. I mean, we will do things, um, you know, if, if we go on the road before we open up a series and we're practicing on a Thursday, I'll have every guy go up onto that game mound and stand up there and do that whole kind of breathing deal. Clear the mechanism type. Envision themselves there with people in the stands, and they just go through a dry rep. And it's one rep, but you're actually kind of just— let one rep is better than none. And if you dive into it, then that one rep can maybe it can maybe you know make or break your outing as far as being able to at least slow the game down and give yourself an opportunity. So um, there's so many things on the mental side that you can do with that, but I just really promote investing time into it um, and investing just as much, if not more. On that than the physical.
3: How long do you take? Think uh, it takes for those guys to to learn those tools in the proper way. I, I think that the one thing, at least as a player for me, and I see with some of our guys now, is when you try to teach those techniques, you almost become consumed with it. Right? You can't say, "Hey, you got to breathe when you're on the mound." It's something that you really have to practice in a day in, day out type um, standpoint, but How is that learning curve? How do you kind of maybe introduce those things and expose them to it? Is it before the first time we go live in a scrimmage? Is it only before bullpens kind of that process of, of taking those games to be prepared for Pac-12 play?
1: Yeah, definitely a process. And, um, especially with your young guys, you know, and, and, and even, I shouldn't even say the young guys, It, it could be a, an older guy who just really hasn't invested into it yet. Um, you know, I'll tell you, the first thing we do during the fall from a, what I think is a mental side is we break down routine. What is your routine? What's your daily routine? What's your game routine? What's, you know, your pre throw, your post throw, everything that's invested into a routine. Um, and that for me is, I think, a pretty good starting point to see them start to get their mind to evolve a little bit more. You know, they'll start to learn from maybe, you know, other other pitchers. Um, they'll be more intrigued to ask me questions. They'll, they'll learn from themselves through trial and error. So that one concept starts to, you know, take shape of the whole form of what you want to teach from the mental side, because it is a process. You can't just tell a kid, Hey, here's how you have to breathe and when to breathe and, and do this and that when take a breath when you get on the rubber and, and everything's going to work out. Well, maybe that's not best for that player with the breath during that time. Um, we had a good discussion with our pitching group not too long ago about one of our pitchers was really huge in the focal point And when he took his breath and he took two breaths between in pitches and he knew when he took them and, and he's going very, very into detail. And then I got another kid who's, who's younger, but he said, coach, I, I just can't do that, man. I I can't. I can't. I'm actually focusing more on taking a breath than actually when I'm actually going and competing. And so that you know, that was a great point. But in the but, when he said that, I was actually very proud of him because now he's actually starting to be aware that hey, individually, I need to know when I need to take my breath, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so you start to see guys evolve into how they want to attack the mental side individually. And again, I think it goes back to how you. You know, how you talk to them, how you get them maybe into certain groups of four or five specific on, okay, you guys kind of think similar in this type of concept. So let's have a discussion with you guys. Um, Because you do have to, you know, somewhat start from a foundation part and build a foundation for some of the guys who've never done it or never really been invested into it. And then you also have to teach it at a high level who guys who are really invested into it and are seeing how successful they've been with it. And then they want to take that part of their game to another level as well. So um, it's not, you know, it's not a perfect form. And obviously in college baseball, we don't have all the time in the world. You know, you got to be pretty strategic with your time. Um, But I think if you can just develop a relationship with them and get them to start to understand the importance of it, they start to take it off and run with it in their own way. Um, And that's kind of what you end up wanting to see.
0: That was one thing we were going to do. And and I had a meeting on Thursday right before the shutdown that, Hey, on Saturday, we're going to meet and you pitching staff, you're going to need to bring a notebook and you're going to write down what your routine is. And you I want you to know. And, and the biggest thing, like you said, it's, you know, what is it that's going to work for you when we get to our yellow light? What in our notebook, what are we going to find out what's going to work for us so that we know that when that stuff starts happening and we can realize it, and then we realize what we got to do to fix it. That's when you guys are going to take the next step to becoming better it's not going to be well i'm not here getting here with my arm or my legs or whatnot it's it's here when you get to that point no doubt about, about it. it
3: yeah the goal the goal is a subconsciousness right of it that it's not okay i'm in this situation like eric talks about the yellow light like yellow okay what do i do in yellow okay now i do that like it just gets into that routine mode of all right this has happened on the next you talk about that one pitch mentality that's that's where that stuff comes into. Okay, this happened. You accept it. You learn to deal with it in your own way, and you get back to kind of execute and getting back to that next pitch. And it's amazing when guys get to that routine and of of, of process that it's just they're they're very um, faceless in those moments of of something big just happened, and you can kind of see that come over them. They they process it, and then they get that kind of look in their eyes, like, "All right, let's get on to the next one." But it takes time. It takes time, especially for, for guys that are used to being really successful in the past and they get to a especially at a Pac-12 level where they get beat up a little bit. We're not used to dealing with that. I can just I can't just dump over my curveball anymore and get a, a bad swing. I gotta actually locate something every single time I like get an opportunity to throw a pitch.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I kind of try to have the guys wrap their head around this, is that you know. How many guys will say when they have a really good outing? I'll say, hey, what you know? What what were you thinking? You I mean you looked in control? You look like you know good tempo and all that. Uh, what were you thinking? Oh, coach, man, I wasn't thinking anything. I was just there was nothing. And my response always is, no, that's that's actually not true. You were thinking something. It, it might have been minimal. It might have been very easily to repeat some very simple. There was something in there—a phrase, a word, a feeling that you were going to pretty, pretty consistently. And, um, when I, when I talked to him about that, I said, dig deep, you know, dig deep into find what that is, because there are going to be moments when things are sped up and you got a million things going in your mind. But if you have something to go back to, to when you were going well, and in in the simplest form, boom, it's right there for you. Um, you know, I, I I was at fault too. When I was a player, I was asked that question and I'm not thinking anything. This is great. I'm, you know, I'm getting it done. But I I do believe that there is something in a simple form that you are doing or saying or, you know, something in your mind that you can go to and, and guys start to invest into really trying to figure out what that is. And I will say that be careful when you do that, because really make the point that, hey, it needs to be simple. Keep it simple, you know, because they can get lost a little bit in their thoughts and and quite a bit going
0: on in there. This is, I'm so glad this kind of subject got brought up because the other day I heard the story about when Roger Clemens had the most strikeouts and it broke the record for the most strikeouts in the game. He was caught in traffic, was getting his running shoes on in the street to run to the stadium. And luckily a police officer realized who he was and he shows up however long before the game and he starts and and does with that. And I got to thinking about how many times you've heard stories of guys that have had that experience before a game and but then they go out there and have the best game and I'm thinking, okay, how do we recreate that mindset? And it's not having guys show up two minutes for the game because that just won't work. But like, how can we recreate that?
1: Yeah, that, that to me is the level you want to end up getting to, right? Because you get so invested in your routine and you get confident in it and you want to be able to repeat it and feel comfortable and confident in it. But what happens when it gets altered? You know, what happens when it rains or, you know, and you're, you're a starting pitcher on the road and the starting pitcher at home, he's taking 10 minutes extra for whatever reason, you know, what happens when it alters? So you start to get your mind wrapped around, okay, I'm, I'm in control of my own routine. I'm confident in my routine, but I'm also also confident in that, um, if it gets altered, I'm still going to find a way. And then all the competitive stuff and all that other, you know, takes over, um, but, the, you know, it's a process to get to that and pretty much only the best ones can do it. Obviously, Roger Clemens. Right. but that's a you become a different breed if you're able to do that.
3: How do you guys manipulate the training to kind of you talk about it's raining? It's, you know, it's not warm out. What do you kind of manipulate that? that environment to to really push them. You maybe if they're a reliever, you're not going to tell them we're going to throw in a scrimmage and it's right before maybe in a January, February period. What are the type of things you do to put them in uncomfortable positions to allow them to try to have to break through some of that tough stuff?
1: Yeah, we we got a we got the Northwest to deal with the weather, <laughs> right? And and that's a challenge in itself. Uh, my first time, you know, this past fall was the first time going through it, the fall and the, the winter. Um, Couple things with that. I, you know, we're in the luxury, I think, with Coach Green and what he wants to do with scheduling is that we're going to be on the road in better weather to open up the season for the first probably three weeks or so. So I actually have our guys, if it is too cold out, actually throw inside and do some live stuff in there um, from a preparation standpoint, get to their pitch count and all that. Um, but, you know, I think it's a really important that you communicate with your players um you know I, as you're trending towards the season and getting them prepared and obviously if it's a cold day um you know you want to have some sense of you know let's we're, we're still playing let's go you know get after we you're not going to hurt yourself we won't put you at harm from a health standpoint but you got to you got to toughen up and, and get after it and find a way so there's a lot of mental side to that as well um, you know but i'm always I'm always going to kind of trend to where is that point from a weather standpoint that gets to where it's not efficient. You know, let's, let's make sure um, on both sides, if we're doing an inner squad and our guys doesn't have any feel and he can't command the zone, he's walking everybody. Well, the hitters aren't getting anything out of it either. So, you know, there's, there's two sides of it. Um, so the weather from that standpoint, I try to make sure that we are at least efficient from a whole overall team standpoint and making sure that our pitchers are at least able to go out and execute and you know, have a proper inner squad for everyone to get development in. Um, but you know, trending towards the season, um, I communicate with our guys on pretty much when they're throwing. Probably for the first half of the fall, um, and then when we get closer, and and it's kind of the first part of spring as well before the season starts. But then I'll start to you know, I have guys go back to back days. I have guys go two out of three days. I have guys. That, uh, I'm I'm big on um, having guys go at least two innings and because of getting up, sitting down and getting back up, um, because if you could do that one time, I think you can do it three or four times, you know, and if a bullpen guy's throwing three or four innings with that's a long relief anyways, but um, so it might be your quote unquote one inning guy closer, whatever, but challenge him to do two innings. And, you know, just challenge it because there's another routine piece. What's your routine in between innings? You know, are are you in in cold weather? Are you standing up and stretching? Are you moving the body and all that? Or are you sitting down, gathering your thoughts, visualizing, whatever? Or maybe you're going over who am I facing next for next inning? Um, There's so much information out there, but we, again, we really push the routine part in between innings. Um, But I I really want to stress that communicating with those guys so they can kind of prepare. So if we're inter a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, I might on a Tuesday tell a guy, hey, you're going to pitch on Thursday and Saturday. Prepare for that, get your rest, body. Just obviously they wouldn't know in a season setting, but at least they can get their mind wrapped around, you know, what how their routine's going to go into it, how they're going to prepare themselves for it. Um, and that usually trends to, make it a little bit more successful to them. And then they're more confident going into the season when that, when that shows up.
2: Coach, talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, our, a lot of our listeners are high school coaches as well. And, you know, earlier we talked about, you know, preparing the way for your guys to move on to the next level, you know, and, and the thing is, is that as a high school coach, what ways can we prepare our pitchers better for that next level? And, and what tooling do we need that? I think some of us are missing. the sense of preparation for our guys
1: so that when they you get them as a freshman they're ready to go yeah you know that if we have to go a little bit different because there's not so much technology that guys have available from a resource standpoint in high school right so a couple things that i really you know tell high school coaches is one is develop the changeup. you know a lot of guys that we get incoming as freshmen They haven't, they don't have a changeup. And if it is, it's their third pitch. And we all know the reason, you know, it's, it's more of the bat speed at the high school level, but there's so many ways to develop that. You know, you can do it with long toss. um, You can develop it in the bullpens. You can get a sense of at least some good feel and probably a grip that you're confident with. And then that can kind of carry over into, you know, the next level. I think that's a big one that, um, that, that is skipped um, because it's quote unquote, maybe not necessary. To be successful at the high school level, but it is going to, it's going to be necessary. Um, and it's huge. And it's a huge advantage if a guy has it coming into a, uh, to college level. Um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things that I think at the high school level that you can do prepare, um, on the mental side, uh, you know, even things like writing in a notebook, we have our pitchers writing notebooks that is extremely important. Um, And I think if a a kid is invested into it as he comes in because he's already been doing it, you see his development increase pretty rapidly. Um, Guys who don't have that sense of it, they kind of see it a little bit more as a chore. um, And they really don't probably get invested into it, maybe their sophomore year or even maybe their junior year. Um, And if they are able to wrap their head around how important that is to write down their thoughts, to get invested in the mental side. Um, they're only going to see an advantage moving up to the next level. And obviously that we continue that at the college level and that helps them out when they hopefully get an opportunity at professional baseball.
3: Awesome stuff. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of what we see in in high school pitchers is they're kind of mentioned it earlier, but they're used to being successful in in a very small, window one thing always tends to work for them they have that fallback pitch the fallback location whatever that is and and i think it's uh it can be tough sometimes when when all of a sudden the environment changes the game gets a little bit quicker the game doesn't change but it gets a little bit quicker guys become a little bit better and they have to kind of adjust on the fly um not, not on the fly but kind of adjust their their makeup uh, throughout the course of their their career to to turn themselves into now a successful guy at the at the college level and just like like these two guys do um you know your job is to get them prepared for for the level after that so it's that constant process of of that development piece of trying to get a little bit better uh at your level be the best at where you're at and then be prepared to be maybe go down a step and then have to work things back up. Once you get to that next level, whatever that might be, any ball um, juco ball in high school, whatever that is, that the game doesn't change, but uh, things do get a little bit more difficult for them.
1: Yeah. You, you, the development, you know, for a lot of incoming freshmen, um, it's very sporadic. I mean, you really is. I mean, you get, get some guys from small schools who are very successful and now they get in this big environment and you know they, they get their butt kicked a little bit. Um you know so the to me that's where the really the relationship part kicks in. Uh, if, if you have a kid who you have a great relationship with and if he does get beat up a little bit um you can try and keep his confidence up. You really have to because if that falters um we all know that the development falters as well you know he'll be down on himself from a mental standpoint his energy will probably decrease um so you know and you know kind of put your arm around him type of thing and and you challenge him still you know and you and you push him to be great but you also understand that there is a portion of this is new to him this is in a little bit out of his league at at times not to say always but at times um so you you still drive to you know help them continue to develop the development and understand that it's a long process it's a long road um you know and then you also get freshman phenoms you know you get kids that come in and they're oozing out confidence and even a little bit of arrogance um which is beautiful at times you know um you try to keep them humble that's for sure the game will humble them anyways um but you know I think it's also good if you do have that guy kind of show the other freshmen, Hey, what makes this guy better than you? Not stuff. You both throw 92 mile an hour fastballs. You both got pretty good breaking ball. This guy's got some real confidence going. He's invested into his body language. He's invested into his game. Um, And you know, you make examples out of him too. So um, you know, one thing I'll say as well is how many freshmen come in that are um, starting pitchers. They they were starting pitchers at their high school, you know, and all of a sudden now they're in the bullpen in a middle relief role, you know, and, and, but they don't also always see the value in that. You know, you can have some tremendous value out of the bullpen and in in a sense, wait your time till you become that weekend starter and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, if it trickles down to the high school level, um, I just think that if you continue to develop their repertoire, if you can control their mental aspects and in a way, try to get them prepared for the next level and, and what they can maybe get themselves into. Um, it, it, it won't be, you know, there won't be as many deer in the headlight looks. it will be a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. I prepared a little bit for this. You know, it's my first time here, but you know, it, I think of this too, it's, it's a full circle, right? You got, you know, you're a freshman in high school. So you're the younger guy and you're learning from the, the seniors in high school. And then you become the senior in high school and all of a sudden you're the leader and, and the focal point of the team. And then you go to college. Now you're the freshman again, and, and you're learning from the older guys. And then again, you, you become an older guy in college and then you get drafted. And now you become the rookie in pro ball. So it's, it's a, a revolving wheel, but I think it's, it's great. If a kid can understand both sides of it. I mean, you, you completely humble yourself when you're the rookie or the, the freshman, and you sit back and you listen and you learn and you develop that way. And then you also get, when you're older, you get the leadership side. Understand how you're being a leader. Are you you know more of a vocal guy? How are you presenting yourself? So it's a revolving wheel. But if you take both sides of it, I think you can really become a whole form of, of what you want to create, of who you are. And hopefully that carries on and hopefully into the big leagues.
3: Coach, talk about uh, that scouting report side of things. We had Coach Green on. He talked a lot about kind of uh, scouting the opposing pitching coach. I'm sure he's always, obviously uh, scouting you on a day-to-day basis, hitter <laughs> versus pitcher uh, from an inter-squad standpoint. But for you, when you get in the season, I know it was brief this year, but you had plenty of experience in the past. What do you look most for when, when scouting opponents? Um, is it pregame BP? You mentioned synergy earlier um as a as a device that you know you can look at past past games and whatnot but what are maybe some of those key things that that you look for in an opponent um as a team maybe as an individual without tipping your hand obviously too much here
1: yeah um i'll tell you what me and coach green we have our battles during the fall (laughs) (laughs) in new mexico state is a little rough you know when you got nick gonzalez and stuff like that it's tough to call pitches against him, but um, yeah, it's great because we do communicate that a lot and coach green will give me great advice about if, you know, if maybe my pitch calling is starting to get a little repetitive or actually maybe I'm tipping some stuff Um, with his knowledge in the game. And, you know, obviously I, I hear it all and and really take that in consideration and making sure I, I utilize that right. But um, I think it is a little bit different from, a pitching coach breaking down opposing hitters as opposed to the other way around. Um, you know, you do get hitting philosophies. You, you get to understand hitting coaches and their philosophy and you know what they maybe like to teach with the swing. Um, is it more uphill? You know, is it, is it a little bit more you break down things like slugging percentage or strikeout to walk ratio. And it kind of paints a little bit of a picture of what type of that team that that is. But the typical lineup isn't going to be all guys, you know, all or nothing, or it's typically not even a whole team of small ball. You know, you get some guys at the top, you get some guys in the middle and you get, you know, some guys at the end that can handle the bat. And and so there's typically a wide range of um, what the opposing hitters do from a philosophy standpoint and a lineup standpoint. Um, So my vision, and again, I go back to synergies, I watch a lot of video, um, and I just break it down individually and, you know, I do some, some simple concepts, you know, like, you know, it first pitch swinger, um, or what, you know, and I think everyone does that and what, uh, you know, what to execute with two strikes. Um, and also I'll just have a whole thing of just pitch approach and it could be something as simple as hard and soft away. It can really be that simple at times. Obviously we go into more detail and, What I'll try to do is I'll match it up specifically to who's our starter for that day. Um, I also break everything down from a left-handed pitcher standpoint to a right-handed pitcher standpoint and how to attack them specifically there. Um, You know, I, I just, yeah, I think you have to in college attack the individual traits because you get the scrappy eight hole hitter. Who's a contact guy and can drag on you at any time in the game or push to, you know, a guy in the middle of the order who maybe you circle and say, okay, if there's opportunity to pitch around, then we might, we might do that. Um, so I'm more inclined from a scouting report standpoint to really invest, um, who we're going to have on the mound and attacking and writing up a scouting report based on how we're going to attack those hitters with that guy's stuff. Um, and then obviously you have, you know, a full bullpen to, uh to kind of match that up with as well. So, um, it takes time, you know, you gotta be invested into it and you gotta really dive deep into it. Uh, there's so much technology out there and information. It's actually enjoyable. I mean, you could, you could sit there for three days straight, you know, it's, it's, you got a Tuesday game and you're waiting for the weekend series. So now it's Wednesday, Thursday, even morning of Friday, you're watching the video and breaking it all down. And it's, it's really enjoyable. Um, but you, it could go right out the window after a Friday night game too. Uh, seen that happen. You know um, you, you ask, you you, know, you got to make adjustments. You know, that, yeah. that, I think that is really a key um, after a Friday you make adjustments, you know, you, you're right on the scatter report, anything from, man, we were wrong on this guy, or maybe that was just a bad matchup. Um, you, you start to, you know, break it down. And then you communicate that with your staff as well, you know, coaching staff, but also pitching staff and, and say, hey, you know, we're going to attack this guy different. And so you just – if you communicate it, some guys will one ear out the other, but some guys will get – you know, they'll listen to it, and maybe that shows up if they they come into the game. Um, But it's – you know, you asked about uh, watching BP. Um, I watch almost every swing of BP. Um, But I have found out that if I make too many adjustments on the scouting report based off BP – it kicks me in the butt a little bit. I hurt myself. Um, and I hurt the staff, which is more important. So, um, I'll watch, um, you know, there might be some stuff as far as swing path or, you know, I might even listen and kind of get kind of close and see what that guy's actually really working on because you'll get that MVP guys actually trying. He might take three rounds of just going oppo, but you know, quote unquote on the scouting report is a pull hitter you know so you know you can't be so invested into that you might just say okay he's just actually trying to work on something so let's just take a look at the hands maybe if you could see the stride length the rhythm piece um so there's other information that you can get that you can kind of take notes on um but i watch it but i'm not i'm not so embedded into it that i'll make huge adjustments on the scouting report
3: i think the hardest part is you, you you put so much time and effort into, to putting together that perfect plan. And all of a sudden you get there and things just aren't lining up, but for you, what's, what's that relationship with you and, and catcher like to where maybe you're getting some feedback of, do you have catchers communicate with you in game of, of where those pitches ended up being, you know, have them tell you, Hey, that was actually a strike or maybe call fastball in and you want to make sure that it is. And I, I think the toughest part for me, that I find is that the angles that we get from the dugout are so terrible to give us information about what actually happened. So how's that kind of in-game feedback process? Is it just between innings? Is it during the inning? Um, how do you get the information that you need?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question and great point of view because not everyone sees that. Um, you know, I, I actually, when I recruit, I'll stand more to the side. Obviously you got to get your numbers and all that, but I'll actually stand to the side because that's the view I'm watching you know, our pitchers from and able to try to coach and teach and help with adjustments, especially in game that they're going to need to make to to be successful. Um, But I just, you know, I I think it's really important to kind of dive into making sure that um, the catchers have a good communication with you. Um, We have certain signals that will tell me, I'll just do simple. It was that in or was that away? Um, and they can give me quick feedback. Um, I make sh- I can see if a batter moves up in the box or back in the box, but I'm, it's hard to see if he moves on the plate or off the plate. That's more information that a catcher needs to give you. Um, you know, we are really good in communication with when the catcher comes back in after the half inning and talking about the strike zone. You know, the, hey, he's giving a ball off a way to a righty, but not that side of the plate into a lefty. You know, that's valuable information, especially if you have a command guy um, that you got to be able to utilize as soon as possible. So, um, you know, that information, we, we have certain signals for that. Um, I try to make sure guys are always invested into looking for that. You know, again, this goes back to, and I help with the catching development, those guys need to call their own game and need to know how, how to utilize all the information at the next level. So we have to be able to teach that for them as well. I don't want to get off topic, but, you know, I've had a conversation with why do pitching coaches in college call, call pitches, Um, you know, and for me, it's about, well, I call pitches, but I also give freedom of pitchers to shake. And I am in great communication with our catchers of basically why this pitch was called in this situation, this count. Um, And the reason of why I called that based on information that the hitter gave me, you know, even without a scouting report, you could just basically look at that one at bat. What is that information given from the hitter? Is he late to the fastball? Um, is he sitting breaking ball? Is he going to sit on breaking ball the whole at bat? You know, does he have a two strike ab- approach? Does he move in the box? You know, there's so much information that is given within uh, one at bat. And I just want the catchers to start to be aware of it. Um, you know, I, I think it's great when, you know, I, uh, we call a fastball in and it's out over the plate and the guy gets it put in play whatever and the catcher's already kind of running back towards me and he's saying mislocation you know he's saying it was away instead of in um and he's understanding that and now he can kind of get on the pitcher you know hey that's got we got to be better than that and now he's you know communication with the pitcher so there's information given from the hitter um and we just want our catchers to be involved and aware of that information that's helping his development, you know, towards the next level.
0: Well, coach, this has been a lot of fun. Uh thank you so much for for coming on with us, talking, pitching, talking about your staff at the Cougs. If anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, you could just use my email. It's Anthony dot at WSU It's also on the website. Um Washington state baseball website. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to answer any questions and I'm, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. You know, I, I think that when we're able to utilize, especially this time to sit around and talk the game and, and spit ideas off each other, um, there's nothing better. I mean, when, when, when you asked me to be on the call, I was fired up. I got pages and pages of notes now, you know, and <laughs> I even made a PowerPoint just because, um, but, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I, I really appreciate the questions. Great discussion. Uh Washington State, you know, thanks you. And um we're excited, you know, here in the Palouse and Cougar baseball and we're we're ready for next year. And can't be more excited about it and get the get a chance, another opportunity at the pack and see what happens.
0: Absolutely. Well, we certainly appreciate you and and best of luck and and Kelly and Jason and I will be right back to close this thing out all right we're heading to the bullpen close this thing out guys i'm gonna start it off i think this is uh it was a good thing that we just spent a lot of time talking off air because it gave me time to kind of think about it a little bit because there was so much my mind was racing in so many different ways and and excited to hear about what Coach Claggett's doing there at WSU. Eric, right, controlled breathing here, okay? Controlled breathing. Sorry, I'm excited. I'm, I'm <laughs> I, I like I I I wish we could be with our kids right now, coaching. Um, I wish we could be implementing this stuff. Uh, the stuff that I kind of I asked more questions, I and mean, he was talking about the mental side of things, and, and you know, I'm I thoroughly was excited when he talked about uh, you know just having kids realizing routines and how each kid's going to be so different in how they do things. Like you can't have one guy that's going to breathe twice or what like he said. And then one kid's like, coach, that's just way too much. Cause you know, you got to simplify things. Some kids are able to do it and they can de- put degrees of the closest 10th. But then there's some kids who are just like, give me the ball. I just want to go throw. And then just letting that kid have an outlet for when eventually things are going to hit the, when crap hits the fan, how you give him some sort of a tool that he's able to break it down and do it. And, uh, I think that's a lot, you know, we like to spend the first couple of our weeks in the mechanical side and the getting the back into the flow of things in our high school season. And, you know, middle, middle April, beginning of April, we got to be in that problem solving phase of when maybe things aren't going right. How is it not always a mechanical fix? So that was, there's a lot to be taken to that. And I'm probably, when we get done, I'm going to have a lot more points I want to think about, but that's, that's what I'm able to come up with now. So.
3: Yeah I think the the big takeaway and and thing for me is just the the time and effort it takes to do things in a correct manner um, mental game especially it's it's something that really takes time and practice to to really get uh, 100% right and and the first thing and he hit on it and you guys talked about it as well is for guys to understand what they do and how they interact in a game setting um, one, when things are going good, uh, and also when things are going bad. So they have that, that conscious thought of, of, of themselves on the mound or, or at the plate or, or even on defense to be able to slow things down for themselves and, and, and have the tools at their dispense to be able to, to be successful at, at a really high level. Um, you know, you're talking with the highest levels in college baseball when the pressures are are really, really high, you know, from a, from a game to game, a day to day, a pitch to pitch situation. And and if you really can't slow things down, um, the game will absolutely ruin you. If you can't handle failure, we talk about it all the time, um, that, that failure is going to happen. It's going to happen at some point in time. and, And if you can't deal with it, there's no way for you to be successful. There's nothing that we as coaches can do to help you out. So for guys to, to really recognize um, how, they, how they perform or how they act in those moments of failure, I think Coach Green talked about when he first came on here that purely body language, you know, how does your body language change um, whether you're going good or whether you're going bad? Because we've all played for those people or seen those individuals that they deflate as soon as things don't go their way or, or they're not super successful. Um, and, and the guys that, that I found that really pushed through are able to, to pick and just a little thing that was positive about every certain thing that they did. You know, I might have just given up a homer, but, you know, I got to a 0 1 count by throwing a first pitch strike. I located that slider well. The guy had the good swing on it. But if I can only fixate on the result of things, uh, I, I just really can't get better not knowing that. My process was correct. I did everything in my power to be successful. I just got beat. Um, So guys really have to understand that there's things that they can control and there's things that they can't control. Um, And, and I think that that process takes a lot of time, but having tools in place and having guys recognize um, how they act when they're successful and when they're not successful is really important in the development of, of uh of players at at really any level of the game
2: yeah you know guys it's it's so important that we equip our guys to the next level you know not everybody's going to have that opportunity but are we giving them the best information the best uh, preparation for them to be there at the next level you know i like how coach talked about not going in trying to change too much of a, of a player you know some guys are going to have certain ways of, of doing things or efficient you know and i think sometimes coaches can be on this bandwagon it's like well it's my way of the highway and it's that, that i don't believe that style really works anymore you know um you guys were talking about off air you know some of our style the game revolves technologies came into the, our our game it's improved things i mean you've seen so much improvement because of that, and I think what we have to take every opportunity to bring those things in, and not be stubborn, saying, "Well, this is my way; of, I always done it," and hope that it works. And I think that if we can utilize those tools, and we can be become better communicators with our players, and and just be students of the game, you know, you guys, you know, you think about this six weeks we've been on this podcast. You know, I, I think for all of us we've grown so much personally i've grown more i mean the things that i've been doing with my program that i'm going to get continue to add as we hopefully maybe have the opportunity to play you know summer ball and especially next spring with my high school group that i'm going to add into our program to help better our guys so that those guys who are at ready for that next level are going to be prepared and as they come in as freshmen they're not going to be overwhelmed with the the whole being on the mound in a, in a Pac-12 stadium, or whatever the case may be, so I think we just keep pounding that pavement and, and keep being students of the game. And, you know, we're doing a, a, a good thing if, if we uh, are, are, you know, students
0: of that. So, absolutely. I'm just going to put it out there: if anybody wants to donate a rap soda to the Kid Test Program, I'm going to let them do it. So go right ahead. You can get a hold of me, <laughs> anyways. Well, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Uh, thanks to coach claggett and uh, for having a diving into pitching with us and make sure you check us out on facebook at well it's not at because it's not twitter but it's on facebook it's pacific northwest Fungo banner on twitter it's at Fungo banter pnw check us out on itunes spotify google podcast please get on there rate review uh, like we said last time the more rate their ratings and reviews we get the more opportunity people will get out there for other people to see so let's uh, spread the word of the pacific northwest and Well, guys, take care of one another, stay healthy, and let's get back to baseball.